Father, thank you that in this house of prayer, we can take time before your throne of grace, the only place that we can receive the gifts that we so desperately need. Father, thank you for the gifts that you have already given us, the blessings that you have lavished into our lives. Thank you for the gifts that you're longing to give us to make us an even greater blessing to the world around us. Speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. I ask that you do above and beyond what we could ask or think, that we would be drawn closer to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. She wakes up at 4.30 in the morning for meetings. I don't know how many of you have an intense job that involves lots of hours, but how many of you wake up for 4.30 a.m. meetings? No, you don't have to raise your hands because we don't need to identify the workaholics among us, right? Well, here is a lady who works very, very hard, and she travels the world for her job. Now, that sounds glamorous until you realize where she travels to. This lady travels to the poorest places on the planet. She travels to Senegal. She travels to Bangladesh. She travels to places where people are in great need. She works hard, long hours. And here's the thing. I mean, for many of us, we need to work. We've got to get up. We've got to to go to our job in order to pay the bills. But let me tell you something. This lady has no need to pay any bills because her name is Melanie Gates. Melanie Gates, just in case you didn't know, is married to Bill Gates, who is, I guess now, the second richest man in the world or something like that, valued at, I think it's $82.7 billion last I saw. I mean, numbers that we can't even begin to fathom. And guess what? She came into all of this, not by working for it herself, but by coming into relationship with the owner of the company. She met Bill as she was working for Microsoft, working on some of their projects, and they fell in love. And so she moved into the mansion and began to live the life that probably many of us have dreamed of living. She had it all. She was raising her children. She has indoor swimming pool and everything else, luxury you can imagine. But Melanie Gates works beginning at sometimes 4.30 in the morning to meet with people in order to figure something out. And that is how to give away billions of dollars. It's a lot of work to be able to give that much away. I mean, she could just write a big check and give it away to a charity or something like that, but she works for their own philanthropic organization in order to give. And she said this, saving the lives of mothers and babies, I I care more about saving the lives of mothers and babies than I do about, I'm sorry that that got cut off, about a fancy museum and its artwork. She cares more about taking care of people, saving lives, saving women's lives in in Africa and and babies' lives than she does about collecting art and traveling to extravagant places. Here's somebody who doesn't have to work another day in her life, but she wakes up, she's compelled, she's excited to go out and to give as much as she possibly can give. Friends, as you sit here this morning, do you realize that you are richer than Melanie Gates. That you have a greater gift to offer to people than Melanie Gates has. Think about it. 
Melanie Gates might be able to save some lives here on this planet, but the money that she has couldn't buy eternity for one single person. But if you know Jesus Christ, and you know the truths of Scripture, you have the opportunity of sharing a gift with people that can make an eternal difference. How much is that of value compared to hundreds of billions of dollars? We have an incredible gift. And Peter knew this. If you go to 2 Peter chapter 4, Peter recognized how incredible the gift is that we've been given and that we have the opportunity of giving to the world. Actually, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, he says this. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, As each one has received a gift. What's the first thing that you notice here? How many of us have received a gift? Okay, so everyone who is a disciple of Jesus, who's following Jesus, who's in relationship with Jesus, has received a gift. Is that clear? Sometimes we might say, well, what is my gift? And that's something to go to God about. It's something that we'll have uh, the opportunity for you to look at some spiritual gifts inventories, but ultimately, only God can reveal to you what your spiritual giftedness is. It may be more than one thing, or it might only be one thing. It might be like the, the person with one talent, and yet God has given you a priceless treasure to share Jesus with this world. As every man has received the gift, so you have this gift, each man has the gift, let him, what does it go on to say? Minister it to one another. Let him go ahead and, and use this for the benefit of the people around him. So what is the purpose of the gifts that God gives us? So we can share them. So that we can benefit other people. So that, like Melanie Gates, we can spend every waking hour, every thoughtful moment of our life giving to other people. Peter says, you've been given this gift. And he goes on to describe what it's like. He says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are simply stewards. We've been given a gift that's beyond computation. It's the manifold grace of God. It comes in so many different ways and different abilities and talents and giftedness in our lives. The grace of God is sufficient for all of our weaknesses. It comes in so many different ways. And we are to use that not just to enjoy the good Christian life, but to go out and touch people's lives. Now that could be seem tiring and exhausting if we were doing it in our own strength. But notice what it goes on to say in verse 11. It may not be up on the screen, so if you have a Bible, pull it out. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, if anyone speaks, right? So if, if God gives you the opportunity to speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So when you go out to use your gift, when you go out to share, who are you doing it on behalf of? God. It's as if God is giving gifts through you. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. So when we go out to serve, we go out in God's strength to do His work, to share as good stewards, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see how in our serving, it turns back into a giving back to God. As we make other people's lives better, it turns into a blessing to God who then pours out richer blessings and it's like a, a circuit 
in our lives. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. You know, the first time that Peter had heard about this was possibly back in Mark chapter 3. Go with me to Mark chapter 3. Fascinating story here where Jesus calls the 12 disciples. And we're going to look at some of the things that he brings out of this for the disciples, what his purpose is in calling 12 disciples. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach, to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out demons. So why did Jesus choose twelve men to come to be with him? What was, what was the purpose of that? Well, why did Jesus name twelve disciples? Not a rhetorical question. Why did Jesus, according to the Bible, name Twelve disciples. So they could preach? I think I heard that. What other things? To go out and heal people. What other things? To cast out demons. Can you imagine what Jesus' purpose was? I mean, here, disciples were going to walk into villages, and, and if somebody was sick there, they were to make them well. If, if somebody had a demon, they were to to cast that demon out of them. They were to preach about the kingdom of heaven being at hand. Jesus says, go out to these villages and make their lives better. They're suffering. They're miserable. They're they're needing something. Go out there and make a difference in the world. But we missed one thing. Why else did he appoint 12 disciples? What does it say before preaching, before casting out demons, and before healing? To be with him. Don't miss that part. We miss it too often. Too often we go. We say we've got to do this. We've got to get out there. We've got to share. We've got to serve. We've got to love. But first we've got to be with Jesus. It's only through being with Jesus that we're gifted in order to be able to give. Jesus goes on to say something very similar in Matthew chapter 10. He's again here Appointing 12 disciples, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. Then we skip down and we'll start in verse 7. He's giving them the instructions of what to do as he sends them out as his disciples. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, here's a question for you. If a disciple at this point, imagine Peter and and the things that he thought at this point. He's just being called as a disciple. If he came to your village and he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what would you be thinking? What, What was he intending when he said that? Was he meaning that that Jesus had come and that that Jesus was going to go to the cross and die for our sins and then He was going to go away and come back and there would be a second coming and then we'd go to heaven? That's not the understanding that Peter had yet, right? He hadn't seen the cross yet. When, when Peter goes out to preach at this point, what he's thinking is Jesus is here to lead us to conquer the Romans. But Jesus still sent him out. You might not feel fully qualified and Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to further qualify you to lead you into truth, but don't let that stop you from sharing now. 
from beginning to to tell the, the good news of Jesus today. You may not have it all put together. You may not know everything. That's okay. Just go tell what Jesus has done for you. Go start sharing the Gospel with somebody. Jesus wants to use you. So He sends the disciples out. He tells them to preach the Gospel. And then He goes on. And what does He say next? He says, Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Can you imagine what it would be like for a disciple to walk into your village? There's that uncle who's been sick and you, you thought that he would never recover, that he was dying, and suddenly he's healed. Your grandma had died last week and in walks one of the disciples and he's, she's raised from the dead and you're glorifying God. Your neighbors were dealing with demon possession and there was all kinds of wild screaming in their house and all of a sudden the demons are gone and, and there's peace in your village. Do you see how practical Jesus got in what He instructed the disciples to do? It wasn't just about a theory, but it was about actually impacting people's lives and changing their lives. He wanted them to go out and ultimately to give. He gave them these gifts in order to give. That's exactly what He goes on to say, in fact. He says, freely you have received. Freely give. Freely I have bestowed on you all of these riches of spending time with me. I mean, what do you think it was like to wake up in the camp with Jesus if you had a sore throat? <laughs> what, if, what if you broke your arm? What if something happened to you? You had nothing to fear if you were with Jesus. And having freely received, Jesus says, now go out there. And share the kingdom of God with other people. Begin to lavish this same grace on other people. And this had such an impact on the disciples that you find Peter writing to the Christian church saying, you are stewards of the manifold and varied grace of God. Go out there and minister to one another. You find Paul in Acts 20 and verse 35. Paul tells the the um, Ephesians at this point, he says, when I was with you, I wasn't there as one that was trying to, to get from you. He said, but instead, I was constantly working with my hands, doing everything possible to make your lives better. Then he goes on to say, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. This isn't recorded in the Gospels. But Paul's reminding them of, of the saying of Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is Paul who endured shipwreck after shipwreck, who endured torture, who endured going, being stoned, who, who was constantly suffering hunger and need, who had given up all of the prestige in order to share Jesus. And he's able to say, remember what Jesus said? It's really true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. In the Desire of Ages, it says this, Looking unto Jesus, we see that it is the glory of our God to give. The only reason that we can go out is that we have freely received, that God has already given to us. The glory of God, what makes God so glorious and wonderful is this, that He gives. I do nothing of myself, said Christ. The living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, I seek not my own glory, but the glory of Him that sent me. In these words is set forth the great principle, which is the law of life for the universe. 
All things Christ received from God, but he took to give. You see, God gave us in Christ all of these gifts. It's the glory of God to do that. The cross of Christ, which is this glorious moment, was him giving his life for us. That's the glory of God is to give. goes on to say, So in the heavenly courts, in his ministry for all created things, through the beloved Son, the Father's life flows out to all. Through the Son it returns in praise and joyous service, a tide of love to the great source of all. Do you see that not only does it come to us, but that we return it by giving back to God. And thus, through Christ, the circuit of beneficence is completed, representing the character of the great giver, the law of life. James 1.17 says, All good gifts come from the Father of lights. Everything is given to us by God. So I put a little schematic up here of, of what this is describing, of what we see in the Bible, that we have God who is the great giver, and we have this circuit of beneficence, of beneficence where God gifts us through the Holy Spirit in Christ gifts. And then he asks us to take those and be a Melanie uh, Gates to the world. (laughs) To take that wealth of gifts and treasure in our own life and to begin giving and making the life of others better around us. And as we give, it goes back as praise and glory to God in heaven. And then he pours it out because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because If you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down and shaking together. He gives it back to you, pressed down, and you get more, and then you give back, and it keeps getting better and better, and your life becomes greater and greater. But then there's the opposite of this. Desire of Ages goes on to say, In heaven itself this law was broken. Sin originated in self-seeking. This was the mistake of Lucifer as he was there and he said, I can ascend to the heights. I can focus on myself. I can get out of this circle of beneficence. Beneficence. That's a hard word to say. I can get out of this circle of beneficence. I can focus on myself and I can perpetuate. I can continue on in life. And it was the same with Adam and Eve. They said, well, we could just take for ourselves from this part that's not ours. We can take from this cycle of life. And they stopped giving and they became selfish. And we see the results in our world today. There's a circle, a circuit of beneficence that changes life, that is the law of the life in the universe. It is truly more blessed to give than to receive. You know, there's a lot of people here in our church who do a lot of giving. I'm so thankful today. We're going to see some pictures up here on the screen. No, put them up yet, please. Uh, But there's some pictures on the screen that are going to go up. And we're going to be able to see them more brightly because this week we had people working day in and day out for hours in order to get us this new screen up here. Thank you, Jeff, for all of your hard work this past week. It's such an incredible blessing. Last night, if you saw the Pale Horse Rides, it only gets better from here because we have an old signal from the back right now. But when you saw it last night, it was straight from the projector, and that's what it's eventually going to look like with all of our presentations. So praise God for that, and praise God for those of you who gave in order for that to be a reality. Those of you who have given so that other things can happen. Those of you who week in and week out come here and serve and give. And sometimes we forget what it's all about, and we get tired and giving. We get worn out and giving. But there is an inspiration that comes from the love of Jesus It can compel us to give more lavishly than ever before and to be blessed by it 
to be filled up to overflowing by it. So today, I thought that what I would do is that I would give a gift because I don't just want to talk about it, but I think that giving is fun because Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive, right? I'd like to invite um, Matt and Sabrina to come forward if you have a minute. They're probably wondering, why in the world would they do this? We have kids. You shouldn't be calling us forward. This is embarrassing. And some of the rest of you are wondering, well, why do they get a gift? Trust me, once they open it, you won't probably want the gift that they have here. So, <laughs> all right. So if you guys can come forward here, and I'll have you come up and uh, give Sabrina the pretty one. And we'll give Matt the, the big one, because he's strong. And if you turn around and uh, just open those gifts for us and see, see what you think, see if you like them. Yeah, for sure. What? What is it? I don't know. Is that a sleeping bag? Really? What's that? Your tent. You are loved. Your brother loves you. All right, here's the tent poles too, in case. All right, there you go. I love you guys. So, for those of you, how does it feel to receive, by the way? It feels great. It's fun? This is uh, an easy gift to get. This takes 16 miles of hiking in the high Sierras to go get this gift. You can't buy this. It's awesome. Some gifts are... (laughs) <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, so those of you who weren't here, what was it, three weeks ago? I won't embarrass you anymore. You can go down if you want. <laughs> but God bless you guys. Yeah. So those of you who were here three weeks ago, Matt got up here and he shared, he shared his uh, testimony. Sorry, I just hit your shoulder hard. I always forget. <laughs> That's his hurt shoulder, guys. Don't hit him hard on that shoulder, please. So three weeks ago, I think it was, he, he shared right here that testimony about how he was 20 miles out at that point or more, and he fell on the snow, and he ended up pulling his shoulder out, had to hike back. They got back about 10 miles worth, and then uh, they camped out that night, and his brother had turned his ankle and was carrying a bunch of his gear for him and was unable to keep carrying it, and so he hit it, and they came on down. They were barely able to make it out. And then right as they got to the trailhead, two guys walk up, and Chris, his brother's like, hey, you guys wouldn't happen to know how to pop a shoulder back in joint, would you? And they're like, uh, they chuckled, well, we're ER doctors. <laughs> so they fixed, with a lot of agony, that's still not a, an easy thing, but they fixed his shoulder. So about a week later, Matt was out working at the work bee here, and I told him, I said, Matt, look. Let's go up there. Let's go get your stuff. I don't want your stuff to be up there. It'd be fun. Let's go make a, a massive day hike out of it. He said, oh, man, I don't know. I don't think I could do that. It would it'd be, I, I just, I mean, he was doing work bees that Sunday. The next Sunday, he was going to do another work bee, and he's here with his family on the family days on Sunday, and he's just, I don't have time. I'm working hard. My shoulders hurt. We'll just get it after the winter. We'll get my stuff after the winter. Well, I happen to be Facebook friends with his brother, Chris. And so I wrote him a message. I said, Chris, we have got to go get their stuff. Let's go on a day hike. 
We'll leave on a Saturday night. We'll go and we'll spend the night and then we'll, we'll do a massive day hike. And he wrote back, that sounds like a death march. <laughs> I later read reviews about the trail. It's, they, they said it's, it's one of the worst trail day hikes they've ever done as far as just walking up there and back, let alone to go and get some gear. So I realized why he said that. I said, well, I wrote back and said, well, you, you know the trail better than I do. He said, but I'd love to do it for Matt. I want to give to Matt. I said, well, here's the problem. My day off is usually on Monday. Or sometimes I'll get Sundays. So that's not going to work with your schedule because he works during the week. You know what he said? He said, it doesn't matter. He said, I'll clear the schedule. For this, I would do it because this is so valuable. He said, I would gladly go up there and get the stuff for Matt. He said, so you tell me the next day overnight that you could do it? And I'm there. That's how his brother was, how excited his brother was about giving. So we set this past Monday morning. His brother picked me up at 5 a.m. Now as I was packing the night before, I was thinking about this, this hike. And he began to tell me that it was a little more uh, challenging than I realized. You know, you might go to give a gift to somebody in your life. You might, maybe your neighbor needs something done for them. Maybe they need some care in their life. Maybe there's something that they're lacking and you go to give and you realize this is taking a lot of work. Jeff, as he's here putting up this screen, man, this is more than I bargained for. There's a lot of work involved in this. You might find that giving is more difficult than you expect. That doesn't change the fact that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So he picks me up at 5 a.m. and we're going in his truck on this five-hour drive up to Kings Canyon. And as we're going, I said, well, how do you do this? How do you just like block time out of your schedule like this in order to, to go on out backpacking at, at a moment's notice to be able to help your brother out? He said, well, you know what? He said, I've learned to simplify my life. I've learned that there are certain things that are important in my life. And so I've cut out living an extravagant life. I live really simply so that I can do the things that I love, the things that matter. That's profound. If you question whether that's profound, go back to Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to look a little bit more at this hike. But look at the instructions that Jesus gives to his disciples once they have been given this gift and this instruction to go out and preach, to heal the sick, to do all these things. Verse 9 says this, Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts. So don't, don't go out first and try to figure out how you can amass enough wealth to be able to handle this missionary journey, but just go out. I'm telling you to go. I'm sending you. Nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. You've got to simplify, Jesus says. I'm sending you out. You can't go loaded down with all this stuff in order to help people. It's going to get in the way of you being able to help people. So I'll tell you, as I was packing my backpack last Sunday night, I was thinking about putting the sleeping pad in there. I said, you know what? One night I could handle that without a sleeping pad, and then I'd be able to carry a little extra weight on the way back. And as we got on the way there, we are just talking about how are we going to, going to be able to get all the gear back. We made it as efficient as possible. But then once we were pulling closer to the trailhead, we began to see tons of smoke. It wasn't 
easy to give. And, and Jesus goes on to tell the disciples exactly this. Verse 16, it says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Think about that imagery. Do you want to send your little lamb to be with a wolf? <laughs> this is brutal. He says, I'm sending you out as lamb, as a lamb among wolves. It's, it's not going to be an easy thing for you. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. As we got to the trailhead, there was more and more smoke, and so we put our backpacks on, and then as we began to hike out, we'll put up some pictures of of the amount of smoke that was on the trail, and we began to see these signs that said, a controlled fire is burning, but we didn't see any firefighters anywhere nearby. All we saw was solid smoke. So we were hiking through the, the smoke there, and I'll put up a few more pictures. It kept getting thicker. You'll see in the next picture, it was like, you know, I, I haven't smoked much in my life, thankfully, but it was like we were smoking as we hiked along. I'll put one more up there of, of the smoke. It just kept getting thicker as we went along. And, and it said specifically, well, just avoid the fire. So as we're walking along, all of a sudden we see this as we're going along on the trail. The fire licked all the way up to the edge of the trail, and here was this massive log on fire in the middle of the forest with no firefighters around. But you know, Chris didn't even question for a second if we should keep hiking. He didn't hesitate. He just kept on going, so I just kept on following him. And this trail, let me tell you, is not the happiest of trails. It is filled with gnats. Now, usually you think, well, good, it's not mosquitoes. But these gnats are persistent. They swarm your face. They begin to get in your eyes and your ears and your nose. And they simply will not stop. So we're hiking through smoke. We're hiking through gnats. Thinking, this is miserable. I thought it's more blessed to give than to receive. The disciples might have felt like that. And when you read through this description, Jesus isn't painting a pretty picture of what it's like to give. As, as Paul went through the stonings and, and being tortured, as James was the first martyr, as, as John lived all the way till he was on the Isle of Patmos, it wasn't easy for them to give. But it was blessed to give. It was more blessed to give than to receive. Now as we kept walking along, finally we began to go a little bit above and we could see the smoke was kind of receding down below us. So we got a little higher in the valley. Pretty soon all we could see was wisps of smoke off in the distance. But then the trail gets really, really steep. And I understood why Chris said it would be a death march to try to do this in a day. So you see the steps that he's starting to go up there. Now, see, the screen's going to get even better as we get the better signal here. But um, you see the steps going up. It's switchbacks up. First, you have switchbacks for like 1,000 feet. Then you have stairs that are super steep for another 1,000 feet or so. Basically, by the time you get to the lake, you have gone up, I think he said 5,000 feet in elevation gain, 6,000 feet, something like that. It's a massive hike for, like he said, it's close to nine miles. So then we're hiking along, and all of a sudden he says, man, we're making such amazing time. This is the spot. I said, what do you mean? The trail keeps going that way. He's like, this way. I said, okay. And so then we take off, off the trail, and we begin hiking through a meadow, and pretty soon he's like, this is the way. And we start hiking over these massive boulders, hiking up through this boulder field. And he's like, yep, it's over that ridge. It's only, it's only another two or three miles that way. Great. That's just 
great. As you go to give, as you try to do whatever you can to be able to give to people, it's not always going to be easy. But when it's the love of Jesus compelling you, when you have freely received, He'll give you the strength. You do it in His strength, not in your own strength. As we were watching, walking up those switchbacks, you know, Jesus says something else here. Jump down a little bit further. He begins to warn them about what people are going to do in verse 17. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Beware of, of what people are going to do to you. You may be going out to heal, to preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, to do all these wonderful things for people. Have you ever wondered that? I'm just trying to help these people. Why are they treating me like this? Or why are other people treating me like this when I'm trying to be a blessing and a help to others? Jesus says, You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. I can't tell you how many times I've been seated here on this front pew just reciting that verse. It's not you that speaks, but the Spirit of your Father that speaks in you. Because, friends, that's the only thing of value. And I'm sorry for when the Spirit isn't speaking through me, because that's all that matters, is for us to allow the Spirit of God to minister through us to other people. But it goes on to say, and you will... Uh, your brothers will deliver you up. Verse 22, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. It goes on to talk about all the different persecutions that they would suffer. So as we're walking up these switchbacks, up these steep stairs, literally Chris was so determined to get up there to see if that stuff was there. He said, I didn't hide it as well as I might have hoped. He said, "I, I really should have hid it better. He said, we've We've got to get there as fast as possible. And so we're, we're hiking up these stairs and, and down come these two guys and they're pouring sweat and panting coming downhill. Usually it's pretty easy to come down, but apparently it was hard. And as they got closer to us, Chris stopped them and he said, okay, where did you go? They said, we went to Spinks Lake, which is phenomenal because that's two to three miles off the trail. He said, oh, okay, what, what side of the lake? Did you go around the left side of the lake? He said, yeah, I went... I went around that side just this morning. They said, oh, did you see a sleeping bag and a tent and a sleeping mat there? They said, no. No, we didn't see that. Well, you must have hit it. Chris said, no. You would have seen it if you went around where you went around. You had to have seen it. So what do you do at that point? When you feel like you've been giving and it's not going to pay off. I know that there are people who, uh, some of you have come and talked to me and said, you know, I've given and given to this person and I don't know if it's really making a difference in their life. Don't stop. He who endures. He's talking about the disciples going to give, to be able to heal the sick, to be able to cast out demons, to do all these wonderful things. He says, keep on giving. He who endures to the end. Keep on enduring. And that's the kind of brother you have, Matt. <laughs> Chris just kept on enduring. He's like, we're going for it. And we kept on pressing up the trail. Kept on going, kept on going getting more and more tired until finally nine miles in, we begin to crest the top where there's a lake there. And then finally, he didn't even want to stop to look at the lake even though it was beautiful. But he immediately made a beeline for that spot that he knew that he had hidden the stuff. 
And there it was. It was still hidden under the tree. I have a picture of where we found it there. Yep, it's beautiful. It may not be as beautiful to you as it is to me, but it's beautiful. There that stuff was. We were so excited. We'd prayed just before we got there. We'd prayed together and said, God, we pray that this stuff would still be there. And as soon as he walked around the, the corner of that tree and saw that, he had a, let out a yell. And then the next face, you see how excited he was. Chris could tell you that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, Chris happily loaded the tent and poles and we, we put stuff into our packs to make them heavier and then we kept on going to another lake where he wanted to spend the night. And it was like he was euphoric. He's like, I can't believe we found it. We're successful. This is good news. I have to tell you a little bit of bad news, Matt. We got up a little further because we wanted to really search for something else that had fallen out of the pack earlier on. And you see up there, it's, it's off to the left of that where the pass was, where they thought maybe they had dropped the rain fly for the tent. And I'll tell you that Chris spent probably an hour just looking with his, his mono, uh, binocular, look, mon, monocular, looking around, trying to see if he could spot that tent fly, the rain fly. We didn't ever find the rain fly, unfortunately. The next morning, we loaded all that stuff on, and we began to head back down the trail. And Chris, you know, he was patient with me because I said, look, I've got to get back for meetings, <laughs> I have stuff that I've got to get back for. I said, I'm sorry, we can't enjoy it up here, but we've got to get back as soon as possible. And he said, it doesn't matter. He said, I, I came here to get the stuff for, for Matt. He's my best friend, and that's, that's what matters. Let's go. And he happily walked off, and we carried all that extra weight down all those switchbacks, down all those stairs. And let me tell you, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus really wants for our lives. He wants for us to give and to give and to give, continually giving more. He goes on in this same chapter. If you go towards the end, he says this in uh, verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. God's calling us to simplify our lives. He's calling us to come and be with Jesus. He's calling us to, to put aside everything that keeps us, that distracts us, that takes up our time from being able to give and enrich the lives of others around us. You know, Christianity should be something where when you come into contact with somebody, their life is better because you came into contact with them. Because that's the law of life that Jesus teaches us. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And as we give, we may feel like, man, I'm losing my life. I, I, I don't have all this stuff that I could have. I, it's taking my time. It's taking my energy. It's, I could be out living the good life. But what does he say? He who loses his life is the one that finds it. But the one who tries to grasp his life, to pull to himself, is the one who ends up losing it after all. goes on to say, He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And then verse 42. 
This isn't why we do it, but this is the icing on the cake. It says, And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water. The smallest possible gift that you could give to another human being. The disciples looked down on children. They looked at them as if they weren't important. He says, just take a cup of cold water and give it to a child. What does he go on to say? In the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. There's a reward for giving. There's a blessing in giving. That's not why we give. We give because Jesus has freely given his all to us. In the book Christ's Object Lesson, it says, every effort made for Christ will react in blessing upon ourselves. If we use our means for his glory, he will give us more. As we seek to win others to Christ, bearing the burdens of souls in our prayers, our own hearts will throb with the quickening influence of God's grace. Our own affections will glow with more divine fervor. Our whole Christian life will be more of a reality, more earnest, more prayerful. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And the more that we recognize that this reality, the more that He's able to give us gifts in our lives. That's the whole circuit of beneficence. I'll put it up there again. God gives to us through the Holy Spirit. And we use that to bless the world around us. You might simply have the gift to be able to fix somebody's leaky toilet. Then go fix your neighbor's toilet. You might just have the ability to be able to tutor some students, then go tutor them. And in the process, show the love of Jesus. You might be able to mow your neighbor's lawn. You might be able to share Jesus with somebody who's never heard the gospel in the true way. As you give, God lavishes gifts back down upon you, and it just keeps getting better. That doesn't mean that it's easy. As we got back down into the valley, I'll put up a picture that the, the fire was again coming up to the, to the edge of the trail. And you can see Chris in the, the photo just before this. Chris is there looking at the fire and inspecting it. We still didn't see any firefighters. But then all of a sudden, I was walking back when this man in a red hat comes quickly out of the forest. He waves to me and he begins walking along. And there's just these gnats again horrendously uh, bothering us and smoke and all of this stuff. And suddenly I noticed something. Here was this firefighter. He suddenly gave me a little bit of peace about the smoke because I could trust that he probably had things under, under control. But as he walked along, he was doing something. He had in his hand something from a pine tree and he was going like this. I thought, wow, that's phenomenal. This guy has spent some time in the gnat-infested forest. And so... As soon as I found a little pine tree, I grabbed that off, and I have a picture of that here. If you put it up, you see that I found a nice little branch, and you see the smile on my face? It was amazing, because I began to put it back and forth, you'll see in the next picture, and it would take care of the gnats. It was amazing. Friends, it's only, remember, by being with Jesus, by following in His footsteps, the one who's already gone before us, that we can ever figure out how to give. And the closer we press to Jesus, the more that it will be constantly filled with joy as we give and give and give. So I just want to challenge you this morning. I'll tell you, this has been one of the most fun sermons I've gotten to preach. To give a gift like that, 
is so much fun. But how much better to give the gift of life to somebody? How much better the opportunity that you and I have to offer people salvation? How much better to show people that God isn't like they think that He is, that He's not condemning them, that He's not trying to ruin their lives, but that He wants to make their lives better? How much better the gift of life that we have to offer to people? So I just want to make the invitation today. If you want to dedicate your life to giving for God, to giving out of everything that He's given you, maybe it's just your time, maybe it's your wealth, maybe it's the talents that God has given you, but to live your life not for yourself, not to break that law of life, that circuit of beneficence, but to give, to radically give. I want to invite you to just stand with me and remember that it's not in our own strength that we could ever hope to give, but it's in the strength of Jesus that we go out to bless this planet, to give to people, to be a living representation of the gospel that it makes lives better. Father in heaven, we're standing before you not because we have the strength to give. Giving can be hard. Giving can be difficult. But God, it is so much fun to give. Would you instill that in our hearts more and more? Would you teach us to not focus on ourselves so much, but to focus on what we could give? And Lord, if we're feeling empty, help us to remember that the first place is to come and be with you. That we can't give until we've spent time at your feet receiving the blessings. Lord, please bless my friends as they go out this week to bless their families, to give to their spouse, to give to their, their children, to give to their grandkids, their neighbors, their coworkers, their enemies. Father, we long to have your character instilled in us and it is your glory to give, Lord God. May we live lives of giving. And may this change the dark world that surrounds us. May we be bright shining lights, I pray. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.